Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 798 with Rocco Mangel. It's tremendous that if I didn't, if I would have opened up this restaurant in, uh, you know, South Philly I, and nobody knew me, I don't think it would have worked. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Let me give you four reasons why you need me's in your restaurant. One, it's the most accurate recipe costing tool on the planet. It will give you immediate output of your cost and your conversions. That should be the only reason why you need me's. But there's a second reason why you will train your staff the right way and save countless hours quickly and easily create slideshows with video and image compression so your team can see exactly what they need when they need it. Here's the third reason you will reduce your waste and execute with consistency. Mies enables you to make precisely the amount of food you need. That's because every ingredient has automated unit conversions. Here's the last reason. You will organize and share your content like never before. Mies is like Google Drive built specifically for the culinary operation. Go to getmies.com slash unstoppable and you will get your first three months free when you get the annual business plan. Procter & Gamble Professional provides a wide range of cleaning and disinfectants for your business needs. Get the cleaning and disinfecting products you need and the peace of mind you deserve. Not only does Procter & Gamble Professional make you cleaner, it also makes you more efficient. Dollar Professional Pot and Pan cleans 58% more pots and pans than the leading competitor. Dollar Professional, it's clean upgraded. This episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And Seven Shifts is trusted by over 400,000 restaurant professionals because it gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable that's the number seven s-h-i-f-t-s dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free What's going on, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but before we get into it, just a quick reminder to please support Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast. There's a few ways you can do it. You can use our sponsors, and I do not let anybody sponsor the show, Uh, and if you use our sponsors, they keep sponsoring. You can share this podcast with anybody you know who's trying to be great in the restaurant industry. You can use any link to tools or services that are recommended organically and you can come hang out in restaurant unstoppable network that's really where i'm developing relationships and taking this podcast to the next level today we're talking to rocco mangel uh rocco 
was a lot of fun. Uh, born and raised in New York City, Rocco Miguel grew up in the restaurant business, first studying his grandfather's prowess as general manager of the New York City's famed Copa Cabana nightclub. Uh, Rocco continued to develop his business, opening his first Rocco's Tacos Tequila Bar in 2007 on Clamata Street in West Palm Beach, Florida. Nine years and countless trips to Mexico later, the well-researched visionary sits atop the Rocco's Tacos Tequila Bar empire as co-owner and managing partner of locations including Boca Raton, Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach Gardens, West Palm Beach, and Orlando, Florida, along with a 2014 New York homecoming in Brooklyn. And a special thanks to Von Dugan. Von Dugan uh, called out Rocco. Uh, if you want to check out Von's episode, it was episode 719. Also a really great episode uh, recorded with Von Dugan. So uh, special thanks to Von for introducing me to Rocco and Rocco crushes it. Here it is. So with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest. He is the owner of Rocco's Tacos and Tequila Bar, Rocco Mangel. My man, Rocco, are you feeling unstoppable today? Of course I am. I'm yes. really excited to be on your show. Yeah, Thank ex- you for having me. I'm excited to have you here. Von Dugan was the guy who call- calls you out. Uh, that was almost a year ago. We finally made it happen. I'm out here in Florida traveling again. I know this is going to be a good one, but let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you got for us so you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have that's a bob marley quote um pretty cool um i live by that through the trials and tribulations i've been through in my life um and that's 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 like my startup Uh, you asked me what i had and it's stuck in my phone so I'm glad I, I was... Uh, I love that. So say it one more time. So you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. Yeah. And you had a lot of experiences over the past, say, 10, 20 years where yeah. you had to step up to the plate and, and get strong. So we'll get into that. Okay. Uh, but where does it make sense to start sharing your story? I know you grew up in hospitality. You had a grandfather who was the the general manager of a pretty famous yeah, restaurant um, yeah, yeah, called the Copacabana yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. in Manhattan. Um, and he was in the hospitality industry. Um, my great uncle, uh, Ira, was Louis Armstrong's manager, entertainment, Eddie Fisher. Kind of like, you know, that, that like nightlife vibe during that time. It passed down to my father, who owned uh, three restaurants in Long Island. And that's kind of where I started. It's like, hey, you could wash pots. You got two hands and you're able to walk and move. And this was in the 80s. And uh, I ended up getting my my start with my father, who's happened. His middle name happens to be Copa. Okay. Um, My grandfather also opened up uh, the Sands Hotel in Vegas. Oh, wow. And then he ended up coming back and living in Brooklyn. Deep Deep uh, roots. Deep roots in the hospitality industry. Um, So reflecting back at, I mean, these obvious mentors in your life, your grandfather, your father, uh, what were the biggest lessons you think that they instilled in you as far as what it takes to be successful in this industry? Interesting. You should ask. So I looked at everything that they did wrong. Yeah. Um, and it's different times, you know, technologically sure. and, and pandemic wise. And there's so many variables that we have that they, that they didn't, but there's a lot of variables that they had that we do. So in looking at restaurant guys are interesting, right? They, the way they spend the money, the way that they live their life and um, what they do, I've learned one of the things is you can't have an ego and be a restaurateur. I mm. don't think both of those things work. I think that you have to be a hands-on owner, which both my grandfather and my father were, you know, hands-in going in, hands-in coming out, and making sure that you're part of the entire operation. 
Um, you know, and I learned from that. Um, I also saw the struggles that my father had. And I, un- unfortunately, I took the bad and I made it into the good. And I still live through some of those uh, lessons that I learned today. So what were some of those struggles your father went through? I mean, I just think, um, you know, the number one, he was thrifty. Um, you know, money, his, he had a restaurant in Long Island uh, in the 80s that was, uh, you know, blowing up, as we would say. It was very, very, very busy. Um, you could smoke in the restaurant back in those days, and it was the spot, the spot to go. And I think the way that he managed his finances and what he did, instead of making it into something bigger, he was just comfortable. And then he spent money on luxury items and did certain things with his lifestyle. Ended up, he ended up selling the building and moving down here, came down with a significant amount. He got a job back in the restaurant business, and then he switched to real estate. But I think that was his choice. And maybe I just look at the way that, you know, people get really wealthy really fast if they have a successful restaurant. Yeah. I had that issue, um, you know, meaning that not necessarily wealthy, but we had one restaurant on Clamata Street in 2007 that all of a sudden just blew up. And it went to my head and, you know, it, it cost me, you know, some some major sacrifices in my life that I had to make um, and got me to where I am today. Um, being strong and um, fierce. My father um, was a very, very hard worker. So I learned from day one, he would be there at eight o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock in the morning some nights. And, you know, I don't know if there was some dry goods and some other stuff involved, <laughs> but, you know, he he was there and he worked hard. And uh, I, I mean, he definitely was a mentor to me. So I want to pull back some layers on what you've shared with us so far. Um, you mentioned earlier on um, one of the lessons you learned is you can't have an ego in this industry. Um, where did you see that there was ego in reflecting back? So I'm not going to mention restaurateurs by name. Yeah. Um, I think that people on the program can figure it out themselves. Um, you, you know, I am Rocco from Rocco's Tacos, but I'm also Rocco the dad. I'm also Rocco the guy that, you know, has multiple sclerosis. I'm, I'm also the guy that has, has, has a fiance and, you know, I'm also a person, but I'm also Rocco, the bus boy, um, the waiter, the yeah. pantry, the grill guy, you know, I, I want to be able to do everything. I'll, I want to be that guy. Yeah. Um, I have another saying that nobody works for me. And if you do, then we have a major problem. If you work with me, we're all going to achieve the same goal. So that's what I'm talking about. I've seen restaurant tours come in and I've seen a lot of guests come in and nobody's a customer in my restaurant either. We have a welcome to my house attitude. Yeah. I think Vaughn has the same kind of feeling. Do you know who I am? You know, like people walk in, I've, I've gotten on a microphone and been like, we have another guy that doesn't know who he is. I don't want to ever walk in my restaurant like I've arrived. Mm. And I think that that causes a little bit of fear and insecurity in a lot of the people that work with you. Absolutely. So that's where I'm saying about the ego. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason why I brought that to the conversation and brought that back to the surface is because I think that you're right. There's a ton, a ton of ego in this industry. And I think once you can put your ego aside and realize it's not about you, it's about everyone else. Right. You can go so much further, um, but you see this massive ego. It's, it's, it's like it hits you in the face with the restaurant industry, especially with people just chasing awards. And uh, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's what do you, what's going through your mind right now? The most important person in the room for me is the dishwasher. Mm. And I tell it all the time. Everybody yeah. asked me, who's the best guy I have? I said, you want to meet him? I walk in the back. I'm like, that guy. Yeah. Because if he stops, we're finished. Yeah. Operation over. I'm like, but everybody looks at the guy in the suit, maitre d', 
And, you know, he's important, too. But you have to really understand being a restaurant man or a restaurant guy of the way that the machine works, right? Mm-hmm. He's the gas. He's the fuel that feeds the fire. The busboy, if he doesn't clean a table. So it's interesting the way you say, you know, that there is certain people that deserve the, um, you know, success. People that have come up from the ranks. And next thing you know, they've got one, two, three, four, five different restaurants. But like celebrity chefs and these shows and some of these other things, which is great what people do. I'm not here to discount that. But you can tell how, you know, destroyed they are on national TV because they didn't, you know, make their mise en place right. Or they yeah. didn't, you know, they, they, they just think and then they that's it. And, you know, that stays with them for a long time. And what does it hurt? Their ego. Yeah, exactly. Right. So. For me, I'm a working restaurant guy. I happen to be Rocco from Rocco's Tacos. Um, one of the things that you're sitting in front of me, I'll show you, is if you complain or you compliment on the website, it comes to my phone, yeah. and I'll call you right away, and I'll say to you, it could be 11 o'clock at night, hey, it's Rocco from Rocco's. I saw you were in Naples, and you had a bad experience. They're like, wait a second. I'm like, yeah, yeah you just, wait, wait, wait. And then people, number one, you accept, acknowledge, and apologize for disrupting their meal in my house because they're my guest and i think that's important too getting you know 900 almost a thousand employees and i have to be the big brother making sure that these guys are doing the right thing but Mm -hmm. i can't be everywhere at once not having an ego is getting on a phone and calling and accepting a customer saying to your guest rather hey you know what the food sucked this was bad this was this and you have to sit back and you have to say you know what i'm gonna make it better come back and some people will be like no i can't do it you know that's yeah. how you don't have an ego. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm loving what you're dropping on us right now. And if you get, <laughs> I, I had a funny thought as you were sharing that, if you guys want to connect with Rocco, just say one of those restaurants sucked and you'll get a direct call. You can ask him any question you want. I'm just kidding. Don't yeah. do that to Rocco. But um, dude, you're absolutely right. Like um, we, we got to put the ego aside. We have to realize that we're, we're here. It's about everyone else, not me. And yeah. I think that's the mentality you have to have. We're in the hospitality industry. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so difficult. I don't know how to be hospitable from six feet away. Um, you know, with this pandemic and everything, it's been very challenging for me. You know, I'm sitting, you know, plexiglass and this, and we we're we're body language people, yeah, right? That's shaking why I travel hands, on site, right? Yeah. Shaking hands, touching, hugging. You know, what's up, man? Haven't seen you in a while. Oh my God, there's rock, and 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 it's hard. I mean, it's it it's tough. So, you graduate college in 2007. Um, I didn't graduate. College. Sorry. Yeah, you went to college. You, you went I went to college for three weeks from 1990. <laughs> I think I was on your LinkedIn profile. Like yeah, nineteen ninety seven is when you were done with college. I just say that. So what happened was I give you real quick, and that <laughs> might not be up to date, but I went to college in nineteen ninety one. Okay, uh, I went to college for three weeks, and okay. I um, got in trouble. Okay, um, and I got kicked out of school and uh, lost my financial aid and went home. And during that period of time, which is real quick, I'll give you the quick thing. It was my four years of college were back in my father's restaurants working. He ended up moving to Florida in like 95. Okay. And I was going nowhere. Um, bad, fast. I worked at the Wolf of Wall Street. I did Stratton Oakmont. I did. And I was going to get in big trouble. And my cousins dropped me off on the Jersey Turnpike and I drove to Florida. I arrived here September 1st, 1997. Okay. Um, we're sitting in my office on Clematis. Uh, there's a Starbucks down in front of Rocco's Tacos. That used to be Big City Tavern, which was the busiest restaurant of its time during okay. that time. Um, I walked in very arrogant with an ego to the general manager. You're going to hire me as a waiter. I remember the guy's name was Dave Giardi. He's like, are you applying for a job? 
very bizarre, um, gave me this uh, test. Uh, what's the grape varietal in Pinot Grigio? I'm like, look, man, I know how to wait tables. I don't it's, give me anything to sell. Ego didn't work. The guy goes, we don't, we're not going to hire you. We don't have a place for you here. So I ended up going back to my car and then I came back and said, look, I'm living in my car. I have to go stay at my uncle's house. I got 60 bucks in my pocket. I'll, I'll wash your car, man. I need to do anything. I became a busboy in that restaurant. Okay. Fast forward 10 years later, that's Rocco's. Okay. So I ended up buying a restaurant with the guys, not Dave, but the. I ended up buying the restaurant with the guys that were my boss 10 years later. Okay. So <laughs> that's, I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's but crazy. Like, treat it like you own it, right? And yeah, someday. Yeah. You know, you- yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty cool. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, you're walking in there and bussing tables in a jacket, making sixty dollars a night. And you know, I, I I did go from there. I went down to Boca. I worked at Gigi's. That's where I ended up meeting Vaughn. Okay. Vaughn worked at Red Bull. He was a DJ. I mean, so we all became incestuous because we're all restaurant guys. Mm-hmm. To this day, we all help. I just got a phone call from another restaurant guy. But I worked at Gigi's. I worked at New York Prime, which was a steakhouse. And I did really, really well. Um, and the only thing that I didn't do well was manage my lifestyle outside of work. I'm not going to be ashamed or lie to anybody here. I got fired from every single restaurant job I had. And then I got involved in the nightclub business. Okay. So from 2000 to 2000 and about five, I ended up working in nightclubs in Clematis because I figured that I could manage my lifestyle, but I could get to work at 11 and get home at seven in the morning and sleep all day. And I didn't have to worry about lunch, dinner or whatever. Uh, 2005 met a girl really great girl looks at me lipstick makeup cigarettes whatever you come home let's get serious you need to get a real job friend of mine opens up a restaurant in Boca called Mokila very big mentor of mine guy's name is Carl Alterman he taught me a lot about restaurants the good the bad the ugly Um, we're still like brothers to this day Vaughn knows him as well he's got a beer company in THC does all this crazy stuff anyway he taught me about tequila in 2005 so it ends up being like you know sex in the city and skinny margaritas and i don't know if you remember or i don't know how old you are but that's what ends up happening and tequila becomes this like phenom right so i said to my girlfriend at the time i'm out sold a condo i had on the beach and i said i'm gonna go around america i'm gonna go to all these mexican places and i'm gonna do research and copy so if you ever saw chef yeah, the movie. Yep. So I did that and I went everywhere. San Diego, San Francisco. I went into restaurants. I looked, I picked, I made tacos and Tito's. I did all of this stuff. And next thing you know, I come back and I walk into a bar here and my partner sitting at the bar, he goes, what's up, Rocco? My partner, Bill Watson. And I said, not much. And he goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I want to open a Mexican restaurant. He goes, check this out. We have a link to the lease on Clematis. Why don't we sit down and talk? Two weeks later, I'm in Mexico with my other partner, Todd, and we took a roll of the dice. We opened Rocco's Tacos. Okay. You just dropped a lot, and that's yeah, exactly yeah. what I needed. It was yeah. the fast, fast version, fast. big 30,000-foot yeah. view. So um, going through this time, um, I mean, looking, reflecting back, as you said that Carl, I mean, I don't want to skip over anything. Um, your time at GG's New York Prime, uh, any key lessons, any key mentors, any like evolutionary points, or do you think it's really where Carl started to mentor, mentor you at? McKeel? So I worked at this restaurant in Boca, which was with, um, I don't want to be stereotypical, but in Boca in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, just before the World Trade Center, it was like crazy. I don't, I don't, like I said, how old are you? 
35. Yeah, so you remember, like, it was just insane. Like, it was so busy. People were spending money left and right. And here I am working in a restaurant, and Gigi's was a restaurant, but then all of a sudden at night, it turned into another place where they had live music. And I'm working in a restaurant with a nightlife vibe. Okay. And it was cool. It was in the back of Meisner Park, and it was busy, and we did well. Carl... Richie Pinella, these are key people in my life. Richie was the general manager. Um, Carl was the owner. And there's some people that work there. Monty, uh, Denise, Allen, um, Pete. Like So all of these people that worked with me ended up coming with me, which is crazy. Um, Carl, um, his sons worked for me or with me. Carl never came on board, but he always, I would call him. He's my go-to. Hey, man, what would you do or how would you do this? Or He's not in the restaurant game anymore, but he's so knowledgeable. And he helped me. He helped me through some real difficult times in my life. Then I ended up going to New York Prime, which is a little bit more fine dining, a little bit more reserved, where I got to see a different element of the steakhouse $100 check average person, $120 check average person. And there was people there that I met. Um, there was a guy named John Geo who was the maitre d slash owner. To this day, I've never met anybody that could remember every single person's name that walked through without even looking at something, which meant to me that this was really cool. Like, you know, take the hospitality aspect. People want to know, anybody can say, hey, what's up, man? But when you walk in and somebody says, hey, how are you, Vaughn? How are you, Rocco? How are you, Pete? My daughter, hello, Charlie. It it just gives you a sense of feeling like this guy really cares, yeah. you know? Well, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. But this maitre d' was great. Yeah, I can't help but think of um, how to win friends and influence people, right? They say right. in that book that everybody's most favorite word is their own name. Yeah, and, and it's powerful. It is. Yeah. And people love to hear their name and, 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 and see it. So hospitality in general is that. But tequila ended up being my forte with... Rocco's like I be I got my master's in tequila, which also later on in the program we could talk about. But I figured out that people want to drink this stuff and they want to drink a lot of it, but they don't know enough about it. Mm. And I want to know everything I can. So I said, I'm going to open the biggest tequila bar in Florida. Yeah. Which is also a key component of having a bar aspect to a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. And then I want to open a Mexican restaurant that isn't traditional Tex-Mex or whatever, or Americanized Mexican. I want to go to Mexico and really learn and entrench myself in the culture and bring it back, which is if you've been to Rocco's, you can see most of the infrastructures from Mexico, bars and everything, you know? There's so much you're dropping on us right now, and I'm loving like every little, like I want to pull back so many layers. Okay. So uh, the one big thing, um, be, be number one at something, have a unique selling proposition. And for you, it seems like you saw there was an opportunity with tequila. Nobody was focusing, nobody was capitalizing on it. And you, you saw there was opportunity here and you knew that if, if you could lean into that, if you could travel and also get perspective, go out there, travel, take it in, learn as much as possible. And don't be afraid to steal a little bit too. Like every what's, what's that? Um, that saying, uh, every great artist was was is also like, like you steal elements to make it your own, but you get you need that inspiration. Yeah, the your- the kind word is like research and development. Yeah, it's research and copy. I yeah. went to all of these places and I said, you know, I like that. I'm going to take it. I'm going to put the spin on it, make it Rocco's. But th- that do I have original ideas? 
Yes, but my original idea, somebody walks in and goes, I thought of that before you. So yeah. you're, so to your point, you're right. But I, I ended up looking at something as an opportunity during a time that I probably could have got more involved in the tequila business. But my vision of tequila in 2005 was I was getting taken home by a farmer in upstate New York because I drank half a bottle of Cuervo and I got sick. And that was my, and I said, I couldn't even look at it. <laughs> Then all of a sudden, I try this beautiful triple distilled tequila in the short fat bottle, which is, you know, uh, at the time, I think it was Casanoble or whatever. And I'm like, holy moly, this is delicious. And then you try a Reposado and then you try an Indiejo. And then now they have, you know, now there's just a million different varietals yeah. of it. But that's what ended up happening to me. And then people came in and here we have this Rocco's Tacos, you know, phenom 185 tequilas on Clamata Street. And then, you know, I have 300 and something up in Orlando, and I just got these big tequila bars. So the, the other big thing uh, of your story that I really love is building a team around you. Uh, you're working in the industry. You're networking. You're finding these people. And I think sometimes people try to go to open a restaurant in a community, and they don't have the, the, the roots they need, the foundation they need, the team they need to be strong. And I think if wherever you're going to open a restaurant, open a restaurant where you have roots. And I think that also comes out of of your story. Do you think that's a good statement or a bad statement? It's tremendous that yeah. if I didn't, if I would have opened up this restaurant in, uh, you know, South Philly, I, and nobody knew me, I don't think it would have worked. What happened was West Palm beach at the time, 1997 was a very much smaller than it is. Now Clamata street has ebbs and flows. This restaurant, I was a busboy in the PR story was just amazing. People knew me on the street for being a door guy and all of a sudden, have you seen Rocco's new restaurant? There wasn't any other nightclubs or anything. There was one across the street, Dr. Feelgoods, but that's what happened. Plus, my partners owned a very successful restaurant called John Bull, which is in um, like central West Palm, and they had a following too. So there was four of us, and we opened up these restaurants. They also own... So there's 16 restaurants or 17 restaurants in the brand, Eight of them are Rocco's, and then eight of them are different concepts. Okay. Just so your yeah. listeners know that there's an umbrella called the Big Time Restaurant Group, yep. which is just the management company, not necessarily the ownership of all these different restaurants. There's different yeah, and, owners. And I want to get one. into that, too, because I do think that that's the future of scaling is you you basically you, you develop your management company, and then you look, you go, and you find opportunity. You, you create opportunity for people who are the chefs, the, the, the mixologists, the empowerment. Exactly. That's, that's the number one, like empowerment to me is, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, like I love empowering people. I I think it's amazing. If you want to be a bus boy and you want to be a bus boy for the rest of your life, then maybe that's your, 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 your dream and your job. And that's what you want to do. But some of these guys have been their general managers in my restaurant. I'll, I will take you, I, and people come to me and they're like, look, Rocco, I have a friend of mine that his name is Mike Ferrara. He just opened up a bunch of restaurants in um, upstate New York, like um, New Rochelle and stuff, or um, I forget, uh, Ro- uh, not Rochester, New Rochelle. Syracuse? Um, no, it's called Wooden Fire. Got to give him a shout out. My, Mike Ferrara worked for us in Palm Beach Gardens. He left and opened up not one, not two, not three, like four different restaurants. I love this guy. I love what he did. And people, and he said, just recently told me he's going to open a Mexican restaurant. I'm like, whatever you need. Mm. Like, I want to help people get 
where they want because he helped me. Yeah. So why would I be egotistical and be like, you know what? And that's the biggest thing. And that's like the, the, the leading edge, the driving force of Restaurant Unstoppable is that if we start helping each other out. Love and, this guy. Yeah. Yeah. If we start helping each other out and we realize that the guy down the street isn't our competition, but our, you know, our, our collaborator, our colleague. I say that our, during the pandemic. I said my competitors have become my companions. Yes. And so and, like Vaughn and uh, some other guys that were involved during the pandemic we had like a group call and some of them own mexican restaurants and i said we're gonna we have to work together through this and maybe we'll never talk again and i just got off the phone with a friend of mine and he said you were right this you said this was going to happen and i said yeah like like like, i'm not listen i'm i'm just one guy that's doing certain things the pandemic for me was halftime. Yeah. I said, I'm putting my head down. We're going to make it. We're going to get through it. But I needed my competitors to be my companions. And guess what? You're all going to rise to the top together. You go so much further together. And it's 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 a trend I've picked up on. The people that are at the top of their game in any city all are best friends with each other because they're there to support each other. I've yet to meet anybody in the restaurant business that hasn't embraced. I've met people like us you know i've met people that have been like listen not everybody's gonna like us um but people tell me do you know that in mexican restaurants opening up next door i'm like great i'm like i i i embrace it let me know you know and i just was downstairs talking to somebody and he's like how you doing i'm like everybody has their time in the light Mm -hmm. the key is to just keep the lights on yeah i don't need to be the the best thing in town anymore but you know people come to Clamata Street now to come to Rocco's Tacos because it's institutionalized. Been here 13 years. Yeah. And, you know, we're still opening up in new markets where people are like, oh, man, you know, I used to drive two hours. I'm like, two hours? That's, that's ultimate call. I'm like, right wait there. a second, you know, and then I'm canned I'm gas money. I'm like, wait, you're going to get to <laughs> So let's, let's dial back because it sure. sounds like from your story, from what I gathered, you really evolved the most at Makila. That seems like where yeah. you came across your partners, where Carl really mentored you and groomed you, where you became a little bit more maybe mature during this time. Uh, you also mentioned that you kind of hit from 2000 to 2005, you weren't necessarily living the best lifestyle. You weren't making the best choices. Yeah, so I'll tell you, um, and you, so let's, and let's start there. Yeah, and everybody else, um, this is another quick uh, story. So, um, just like every good restaurant guy, um, you know, I drank and did drugs, um, and it was part of my lifestyle: beers after work, cigarettes, and you know, the fast times and everything, and a lot of lot of sacrifices um, that I've made in my life because of that. Also, which I learned from my father. Um, you know, I was married and divorced. Uh, I had a, a, a girlfriend and now I have a beautiful little girl. The girlfriend has now since left. And now I have this wonderful fiance who I will give her a mention, Celeste, which yeah. I've met um, in sobriety. So I am in recovery. I've been sober since February uh, 6th of 2016. Okay. Um, I did try to get sober a couple times before that. Um, and as luck or would would have it in my story in my life uh, i got sober in 2016 and i also got diagnosed with relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis in september of 2016 um smart enough to know that um some of the drinking that i was doing was self-medication but i haven't picked up a drink since and um if people i, I embrace people that drink i love people i, I do miss drinking um, but I work within the program with a lot of people and most of the guys that I help are restaurant guys yeah. um, or DJs or, 
you know, people that are in the industry that are like, wait a second. So I've basically become Sam Malone in Cheers that you remember he was he didn't drink either. Yeah. And I walk into my bar now and, you know, the first thing people say is, hey, can we do a shot with you? And I'm like, yeah, not anymore. But that's my story um, with my uh, with my drinking. And, and then, you know, I have multiple sclerosis. So I have also I've also said if I was ever successful, which in my eyes, I think I'm successful because of. The things that I'm able to do, like sit here with you, makes me a very, you know, better than I was not sitting with you, if that makes sense. I'm a spiritual guy. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I'm able to do with my time is pay it forward. When I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, I have a PR company and I said, look, I'm going to come out and I'm going to make it like my thing. And we have a website called Join Team Rocco, and I do all of these interesting grassroots, now big corporate sponsors, to raise money for MS and awareness, because I think we're going to find a cure. And that's where the quote actually also came from, because I did a speech. And you really don't know with multiple sclerosis, and I don't want to get off topic, when you look at somebody with MS, like you're looking at me right now, you can't necessarily tell how somebody's feeling. And for us, you want to see somebody like in a wheelchair or you have to, you know, and that's where we feel, you know, and there's a lot of people with multiple sclerosis that look and feel exactly the way I do and know what I'm talking about. So the Facebook page yesterday, I posted that I got my vaccine. I got my MS infusion yesterday. And I said, this is my story and you can see it and let people know that. And all people from everywhere, like writing me, thank you for sharing your story. I was nervous or, Hey, can you tell me this or tell me that? So paying it forward is a big part of my and you, uh, you story as well. You were paying it forward before multiple. I know you're. Yeah, I've done breast cancer. Yeah. Um, we created a nice bottle, which is right there with uh, Arturo Lomelli from um, Class Azul for breast cancer, a pink bottle, and all the proceeds went to breast cancer. Um, you know, I don't want to sit here and tell you, but well, I mean, that's uh, yeah. a big part of your success. I think is is giving the more you give, the more you make it about, again, about other people. You have to just have faith that it comes back around. It serves you in the long run, right? Yeah. How, how do you own a restaurant? All these people give to you. Yeah. How do you not give back to them? Now I'm not sponsoring every football team because yeah. I just, we, you know, there's certain things that we can't do, but you know, I've saved dog. I mean, like, People have come and given me stories, and for some reason, I've just latched onto it and said, okay, how are we going to do this? Give me a task, and let's make it, and let's go through. And that's how we got through this very difficult time with the pandemic. Yeah. You know? But back to um, your time, nightclubs, 2005, 2000, 2005, you mentioned you got sober in 2016, but it sounds like you kind of cleaned up your life a little bit like maybe you weren't completely sober but maybe you were starting to live a little bit more intentionally getting you're trying to it seems like you're trying to clean up your act around this yeah so i had one shot um at this and we got investors and the investors happened to be family member and i was like look I, i'm gonna go for it and this is, this is two two thousand oh i'm sorry not 2000 yeah it was 2007 2007 2005 you're working at mokila when i was working at mokila i had one shot to get my life together and it was either make six hundred dollars a week for the rest of my life and you know live off of you know somebody else or figure out how i'm going to embrace what i am it really the way that it happened and this is the truth in 05 is my investor, and that's where I'm going, he ended up coming and sitting in the restaurant and goes, Mokila, how much would it be, how much money would it cost me to lose 
if you were going to open up your own restaurant? Because he goes, I'm, I believe in you, but I don't think you're going to make it. And then I put the plan together and he actually was my partner. You know what I mean? And then we opened up these stores and that's how so he, he, be- he believed in me. But he didn't think you were going to make it. Most restaurants start up Mexican restaurant on Clamata Street in yeah. West Palm Beach in 1990 or uh, 2007. So he's basically saying I'm willing to, to lose this money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of curious. Um, I mean – Reflecting back, were, did you like? I think we need to clean up our shit, right? When we're if we're going to open a restaurant, we need to get a level of seriousness. We need to get off whatever path might be pulling us in the wrong direction. And I don't know if you if that kind of happened for you, but like, that's why I partnered with these guys. Okay, so they own. So it's I'll give give you the names. All right, it's Bill Watson. Yeah, it's Todd Herbst, H E R B S T, and Lisa Bet Suma, and then the other partners remain silent. Um, but with we did is operating partners. The four of us conceptually came up with this. Now you walked in here today and you could see to the right, there's a management company that operates the restaurant. Yeah. That is the nexium of the universe right there. So what I did is I said, I don't want to do that. I want to be out shaking hands, taking shots, getting on the bar, pouring tequila, saying hi to the people. So they looked at me and said, all right, that's your position. That's what you're going to do. They're going to handle all of the back of the house and they're going to handle all of the fine, you know, like accounting accounts payable and so on and so forth. So that's where the whole thing happened. If I did not have them, I don't think this thing would have worked. We put four people together, no egos, four of us, and each person has a task. Lisa Betts, the culinary director, Todd oversees with Bill, the big time restaurant group with the management company. Todd and I do the design and it all is one great like we talked about it's the machine right back to the dishwasher we all have to work together and that's how conceptually the restaurant company worked so you they were in the picture way back in 2005 they've already been restaurant people okay running operations were they a part of uh no they weren't part of makila so um you're working for carl at makila right um your your partners are bill todd and lisa right you mentioned rich monty denise uh fallen pete Pete, Pete Vetus, uh, Pete Vetus. So, yeah. so I'm just trying to picture, like, the visualize. So, all these people you're working with, these are going to be your front line, your 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 right hand men and women, right? So, I reached out to them yep. when I went. Mokila ended up switching owners. Okay. So I didn't pilfer Carl's people. Okay. Carl left and went, and I I don't know where he went at the time, but he had left, and then I had ended up calling Richie Monty. The Rich, Richie, there's Richie Garnier. Pinella and yeah. Richie Garcia, both two of them. I ended up putting together my team. Yeah, that's my team. Monty's yeah. no longer with us. He works somewhere, but everybody else is. And um, Richie Pinella, who was my beverage manager, retired. But I mean, that's what's going on. And yeah. Pete is the director of operations. So okay. it's really amazing. Yeah. So, OK, um, I want to hover a little bit over Carl because you identified him as a key mentor. Sure. So how who who were you before Carl and who were you after Carl? How did he help mentor and guide and mold you into the man you needed to be to be successful? So Carl had two boys and Carl was a restaurant guy too. Um I'm not going to get into his personal life, but Carl was able to do things that I wasn't able to do. Like what? Such as he was able to have a personal life that didn't interfere with his work life. Okay. I wasn't able to do that. I wasn't able to go out and do those things. Carl didn't fire me. 
he educated me to learn, like almost punishing me. I'd come in hungover. He'd be like, hey, you're going to do this today if you want to keep your job here. There were certain things that he taught me. He was hard on me because he loved me, but I was just a waiter for him. But it was bigger than that. He opened up his arms and embraced me as almost like a little brother. Mm-hmm. I used to call him my old man, yeah. and I would send him Father's Day cards as a joke and this, that. He taught me about wine. He taught me about service. He taught me about personality. And then he taught me about tequila. He did what I did with my team. He said to me, do you want to be the maitre d' of this restaurant that I'm opening called Moquila because you're so personable? Two weeks later, I was the GM. Okay. And then I stepped back. But that's where he mentored me and took me. And then when I started to have troubles and along the way, I still would call him. Hey, what would you do in this situation? What would you do in this situation? Hey, I'm doing this in this situation. How do you do this vendor? Carl's very knowledgeable about tequila as well. So that's what ended up happening with Carl. So to this day, I would still call him and say, hey, look, I'm in. I've, I've got this situation going on and I, I want to I value his opinion um, without getting into details of the situation. You know, growth um, was difficult. I had a restaurant in Brooklyn that was a very difficult time in my life. It was probably the lowest time of my life because the restaurant wasn't succeeding as well as ego. I thought I could open a Mexican restaurant from Florida in downtown Brooklyn. Yeah, a thousand, what, a thousand, fifteen hundred, fourteen hundred miles away. I'm from New York. <laughs> yeah. It worked, but it didn't. Yeah. And it was too big and it just, it didn't. And it's closed because of the pandemic, unfortunately. Um, you know, and I'm not embarrassed or ashamed to say that, but I, he helped me a lot there. Yeah. What did he teach you? You said he taught you about personality, but it sounds like you were natural, naturally personal. Meaning that you had to slow your roll. Mm. Right. So I, I, uh, I'll tell you a good story um, about not, you know, walking into a room. I made a lot of money as a waiter. Um, and I tell this story to a lot of people on the millennium in the year 2000. Um, we agreed to pull the restaurant. Most restaurant people will know this, that you pull your tips. I had a call party, which is a party that requested me to wait on them. Uh, the guy's name was James or whatever. So in the beginning of the night, we all said, yeah, 2000. It ended up being a wash. It wasn't as good as we thought. But I ended up with another guy making $23,000. So I had like $9,000 in cash in my pocket and $13,000 went to the house. And they looked at me and they said, look, you could either keep the cash or you can deposit it with everybody else. And I said, you know what? I'm on the team. I deposited the cash. I made $375. That's what I mean about a life lesson. Like... It's not necessarily about who's the biggest guy in the room or who's the best waiter in the room. And a lot of these people are like that. A lot of people, you know, fierce competition in the workplace and especially with waiters. Oh, you didn't seat me. This is wrong. That's wrong. See, I know all these things because yeah. I did them. Yeah. He taught me that the worst section can be the best. Mm. And he would sometimes put me in the worst section to prove to people that it's about your job personality. Yeah. You can wait on somebody. You, I mean, I don't know about you, but you could go into the worst restaurant with the worst food, but you'll go back because Rocco was like yeah. this waiter. You can't even believe. Like the guy just, ooh, and that's what I mean about personality. Yeah. And you know, you're selling yourself. And he also taught me how to take bad situations and make them better. I was the cleanup guy at Gigi's. How do you take a bad situation and make it better? So um, 
it's based on acknowledging, accepting, and apologizing. That's how you take it. You have to acknowledge the problem. You have to be sincere, like body language. Yeah. You know, hey, you know, Mary, I, I, I got your call. I wasn't there. I haven't done, you know, most of the time I haven't done my due diligence to see what happened in the restaurant, but I wanted to let you know that I acknowledge your complaint and yeah. I want to let you know that I accept it and I'm going to apologize for whatever happened. You didn't go out to dinner tonight to have a bad time and usually yeah. that's it. Yeah. Sometimes it's not, but I could show you email after email after email and during the pandemic is very, very difficult, but that's where you have to be personable. And there's some people that aren't like that. And I don't think that's the restaurants that I want to go to. You walk into a restaurant where every single table is open. Hey, can I get a table for two? It's going to be a two hour wait. Huh? Yeah, yeah. You understand where I'm going with this? Yeah. There's a difference between we got a lot of reservations. The bar is right this way. It's going to be a little bit of a wait. And maybe they have the ability or they don't to get you. You know, that's what I'm saying. It's all about the me- it's all about the delivery yeah. and the experience. Yeah. And I hope that people learn from that because that's what I try to teach people. You have we're in the hospitality business. You have to be nice. I tell people if you're in a bad mood, you have the right to go up to your management team and say, I can't work today. My girlfriend left me this morning. I'm done. Yeah. Go home because mm-hmm. you're going to take that. And you're going to, and Carl taught me that you're going to bring that into the dining room and then I'm going to walk into the dining room and I'm going to say, oh, my girlfriend left me and my girlfriend left me and everybody's going to start to be like, did you speak to Rocco? And then you He's going to bring down the power. He's going to bring down the energy. It doesn't work. Um, Rocco, you're dropping gold on us. I'm going to take one more. I'm going to take our first quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to start talking about like the details of the early days and how you pulled everybody together and how you executed Rocco's Tacos. Here are four reasons why you need me's in your restaurant. One, it's the most accurate recipe costing tool on the planet. Never again waste time trying to find yields and converting unit measures or creating extra sub recipes just to account for yield updates because Mies has a database of thousands of ingredients and prep actions with yields and conversions built right into the interface. So you get immediate output of your costs and your conversions. That's huge. Number two, you will train your staff the right way and save countless hours your team sees in real time updates of all the recipe content plus you can send notifications and answer questions directly through me's quickly and easily create slideshows with video and image so you can show your team exactly what they need when they need it here's the third reason why you need me's in your restaurant you will reduce waste and execute with consistency me's enables you to make precisely the amount of food you need and that's because every ingredient has automated unit conversions Tell Mies how many portions you want. Watch your recipe scale automatically. Tell Mies how much yield you want. Watch it scale automatically. You can even enter the amount of ingredients you have on hand and then watch the recipe scale automatically. Here's the fourth and final reason why you need Mies in your restaurant. It organizes and shares your content like never before. Mies is like Google Drive specifically for the culinary operation. Here's your call to action. Go to getmees, that's M-E-E-Z dot com slash unstoppable and make sure you mention Restaurant Unstoppable when signing up to get three free months when you get the annual business plan. Get on it.
We're back, and now let's really get into the early days of Rocco Taco, Rocco's Tacos. When did you know that this was going to be that, that, that this was a possibility? You knew you wanted to open your own place. You knew you wanted to do tequila. You knew you wanted to do a Mexican restaurant. Um, but did you know that that this this old restaurant where you got your start in Florida was going to be the spot from the beginning? Well, first it wasn't my money, right? Yeah. So I I didn't have as much risk as everybody else. All I had to lose is my ego, right? Yeah. We keep going back to the ego thing. We opened it up and it was wildly successful. Like crazy. What happened was my mother, God rest her soul, she lived in Kansas and all of a sudden she calls me and she's like, hey, Kelly Ripa and Regis just mentioned you for like 10 minutes on national TV. And I was like, so Kelly Ripa came down. I used to get on the bar with white platform shoes, which you could see here. And I would pour tequila as much as you could drink with the tequila from the champs playing. And, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to do that after the pandemic. But she happened to come in and see me. And she was blown away at the personality that I had that we did these things. And I think that put us on the map. I think people were like, what's this place? What are they doing here? What Mexican? He gets on the bar and it was just wildly (laughs) successful. So then we figured we're like, whoa, we have something. Then we end up saying we're going to expand this thing. My partner Todd said, well, they had another restaurant, which was Carl's called Big City Tavern in Boca. Okay. Carl ended up buying this restaurant, which was my partner's old restaurant. We ended up buying it from Carl and making that the second restaurant. Rocco's Tacos, which is in Town Center in Boca. That's where I was the other day, where I got the B roll. Uh, if you guys, you'll see that B roll with the video version of this. So when you, so you pulled this team together, and I think again, I, I've got to put emphasis on having a team from the get go. Yeah, and I think the giving your time, giving yourself time to get into a community, to work in a community, to develop a network, to pull that network together, to give them a common vision. And like you can't do it by yourself. And then also your business partners. You had three other partners, and you all had your lanes. Uh, what advice do you have for us if we want to take this approach where we're not using our own capital, we're not using our own assets, uh, only our time and energy, right? Sweat uh, equity. Sweat equity, yeah. So what advice do you have when you're setting that up? If you're, if you're having somebody give you the, the, the initial capital, what do we need to keep in mind? I think that you have to create a really good business plan. And you know you can't falsify your budgets, and you have to underestimate because if you underestimate, you'll overproduce and then your investor will be happy. And really, you should not shoot for the stars in the beginning because the reality is there's so many different variables that can affect a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You get shut down. for. I just had a fire in Palm Beach Gardens. Restaurants closed for three months. There's just there's things that can happen. Restaurant investors should know exactly what they're getting involved in. And I believe in, you know, I've also been honest for the last five years, which I wasn't before. And you have to be honest about, you know, what you're telling your investors in sweat equity. I'm going to do this and I'm going to put in my time and this is what you're going to get. Um, I don't know. There's a million ways you could structure your investment deals. I don't know how uh, your listeners would do that. If I was mentoring them, they can email me and I could give them some suggestions, but let's pretend like somebody did ask, like, what would you, what would you recommend? What do you like when it comes to structuring? I mean, we don't, we have the same team um, that we've had since day one. Um, But I do other things on the side. I've now eliminated myself 
if I invest in something, I've eliminated myself from voting rights. I want to be silent. I just want to put my money in and I want to be quiet. And I just don't, that's my personal feeling because I want to focus on one thing, which is Rocco's. Yeah. Um, the way the investment strategies, um, some of them have worked is, you know, there's tax um, benefits for people being investors if they don't get their money back. But usually the way that it is, it's last money in is first money out. The way that, you know, I've done deals is first money in is first money out. So the investor doesn't lose the risk. And then the last money in usually is when you go over budget, right? So that's your capital contribution. So when you put in your capital contribution, that means you got skin in the game. The investor likes to see that yeah. and know that you really are in it to win it too. So, so that, that, that's one of the ways that you can do um, some sort of investments, you know? Awesome. Um, what about these partners? So you mentioned Bill, Todd, and Lisa. Um, th- they are, what lanes does everybody get in? You're the, the operations guy. You're on the floor. So yeah, this is going to get confusing a little okay. bit. None of us work for the restaurant. Okay. So I have a company called Got Rocco, okay. which is a restaurant consulting company. Um, I mainly handle like marketing promotion and liquor. Is that your PR company too? No, PR company is called Karma. How many companies do you own? I don't own. Killer. I don't own Karma. Okay. Karma is owned by a guy named Chad Fabricant, gotcha. which I was his first client. He become a good dear dear friend of mine. Gotcha. So, ba- so big Rocco. big shout out to Car- Ch- yeah. Chad. Yeah, God Rocco is that. Um, and then the big time restaurant group is a management company. Okay. They manage the restaurants. Now, you take that hat off, and they own the restaurant. So my consulting company consults for Rocco's Tacos. Their management company manages Rocco's Tacos. So how are you saying, is this vertical integration, or as far as, like, do you have an LLC series? Like, is, does each one of these companies have their own EIN, or is there one that... No, no, no. Each is, each is their own entity doing business as one. Okay. Then I have a master. I own a master company called... El Taco, El Taco Guapo, and that is the operations for the Rocco's Tacos brand where Pete is the director of operations, and then we have some corporate people that work there, and they go throughout the restaurants. So you got big-time management, got Rocco, El Taco Guapo. Right. That is the nucleus of the universe okay. for the Rocco's brand. And each one of these entities has their own... LLC or there is there e- correct EIN yeah. LLC big time restaurant group has nothing to do with got Rocco big time restaurant group has nothing to do with El Taco El Taco has nothing to do with got Rocco do you understand yeah we are all companies that run the individualized company now do Bill Todd Lisa and yourself all have stake in each three of those companies or no no okay no I don't no we don't okay got it so um the ownership structures are all different, and unfortunately, I'm not liberty to discuss no, their their business. But this yet. is like really helpful information. Yeah, yeah, sure, so sure. Know how to set it up. So, why did you choose this approach? Of, I mean, you have to hire an accounting firm. You okay. need to get P and Ls. Yeah. You need to do daily sales reports, right? You need to also have uh, functionality for human resources. You need in house counsel. You need all of those things. Big time restaurant group bundled that all into one piece. Yep. They get uh, percentages of, you know, however the store performs and whatever vendor relations. Then you also, if you have 60% food and you have 40% liquor is what we do, who's going to manage the beverage side of it? So because I got my master's CRT, I did everything with tequila. I said, I'm going to run the ball with this. So I do the liquor and the management 
of the marketing and the promotions with Got Rocco. With Got Rocco. Okay. So I handle that. Now we all oversee the restaurant, four of us. But we talk to the direct. There's a flow chart. We talk to the director of operate the owners. Yep. Outside the management company, you Bill, Todd, Todd and Lisa. Lisa. But we talk to the director of operations. Mm-hmm. He then talks to the beverage operations. Okay. He talks to. Uh, the corporate chefs, and then he and he goes all the way down. Okay, and that's it. And we we keep it structured like that because if all of us went into the restaurant and Matt, the general manager in Boca, was getting advice for me, or he's getting direction from Bill, or so we keep everything very tight. Mm-hmm. They also have eight other restaurants that they have to run, so it's a very well run. Very organized organization. Yeah. So was it like this from day one or did no. you build this? What was it like on day one? Um, there was no Got Rocco. Yeah. Um, I was the general manager of the first, second, and third store. Okay. It was only until the third store that they said, maybe you want to take a step back and we have something here and you could oversee it from afar. Mm-hmm. And then it developed into this. Yeah. Um, so I think this is where like the, the, the gold's going to be is how to start getting to the point where you're scaling, right? And you have to remove yourself from the day to day and what things to consider when, when creating something that doesn't depend on you anymore. Right? So you have to hire people that are better than you. Mm. That's the key. Yeah. We do in a job interview and we sit down, you have to hire somebody that knows more than you do. Mm-hmm. Cause if you don't, then what am I doing now? You, Got to promote people within the organization. Now, you might say, well, they don't know more than you. They've been there with you at the same time, but I'm not in there. I'm not in the foxhole, and I'm not doing it. So we try to promote from within. We want to empower people, like I said. Yeah. But that's where you get to the point where you're like, wait a second. I don't ever ran three restaurants by myself before. Hell, I never even ran a chain. We should look for somebody that has. Mm-hmm. This guy bringing... We want... That sounds so crazy. When you own a restaurant like this size with this many people, I think there's 1,900 people total. You need somebody that's going to bring something to the table. Mm -hmm. It's just funny. We say it all the time. What are you bringing to the table? And we want somebody that's going to bring something. Like, what what do you know that I don't know? And then let's feed off each other. And that's it. I will take a suggestion from everybody. Bus or dishwasher, bathroom attendant, cop that is doing details like, hey, man, maybe you want to change the floor mat in the front. It's a little high and 88 compliance. And you're like, well, yeah, you know what? I didn't think about that. Bring it to me. And, uh, you know, one of one of the, one of the things we do is that that makes a ve- very valuable. If you listen to your employees, you, you, you're, you're going to be golden. You have to listen to them. Now, some of them have crazy ideas. Yeah. You know, hey, we shouldn't do this and this. You don't this, have to this, act this. on every suggestion, but at least open yourself up to the potential, right? Yeah, yeah. We should make T-shirts that say, "If I owned a restaurant, I would." You know, <laughs> yeah. if this was my restaurant, I would. Right. Hey, you know, and, then, and you hear it all the time. So, making that transition from working in the business to on the business, what are some of the key things you said? You hire, surround yourself with people who are smarter, smarter than you. Uh, hire people who bring something special to the table that you don't have. What else? Um. Well, obviously, I mean, to get corporate wise, you got to do background checks. You got to do, you know, make sure that people are who they say they are. Checking references is a huge thing. Um, you know, what is your history? What is your background? I mean, so many things are digitized nowadays. Yeah. I mean, you could Google anybody. Yeah. You could look at their Facebook profile and you just want to make sure that you're putting the right pieces in the puzzle that are going to make the most sense. And sometimes you'll be blown away. The person that you didn't think was going to be the person that you thought they were end up being 
amazing. Mm. You know, now we're trying to, we're actually restructuring again. We just hired a restaurant consulting company that worked with us for a year. And consulting companies are interesting, right? So they come and they take a dump, basically, in nice words, and then they leave it. And then you have to see how it stinks. And then you kind of work with it, right? This company that we're working with happens to be very good. And they came and they took a dump and they looked at stuff that we could do and we could do it better. And that's what happened during the pandemic. It's hard to hire somebody to tell. And a lot of people had trouble with this. We had a consultant come in and tell us what we were doing wrong. And we thought we were doing it right. Mm. So you have to step back and say, well, wait a minute. And that's another key component. That's why it's important to listen to the people that are around you. I don't know everything about the restaurant. I don't even pretend to. Well, let's get into that then, because I feel like there's probably some things. Like, what was the perspective they lent you during this most recent rendition of improvement? So, one of the things that they, one of the most important things that they, they gave us organization. They created a flow chart, which I just said that there's a board of directors, then there's a director of operation, and the way that things need to go, and. It's controlled chaos, right? Mm-hmm. A restaurant's chaotic to begin with. Most of them, for the for the most part, there's always something that's going wrong. And that's what was the, one of the most important things. You have to know and you have to stay in your lane. You, I can't... Perfect example is yesterday I'm building a restaurant in Palm Beach Gardens and the kitchen floor is not up to par. So it's not my job to talk to the kitchen. It's not even my floor to walk on. Mm-hmm. It's my partner, Lisa Bet. So I called her and I said, hey, before I sign off on this floor, she came and looked at it. She just did the, you have to be able to step aside and you have to say, hey, this is what you do. I had an interesting conversation. We were bringing in too much inventory. So I called my director of operations. I would have normally have called the beverage director and say, stop doing that. Skipped over the DO, but I don't do that anymore. And that, that it, it's interesting. You have to remain, you know, restrain your tongue and pen. You got to keep quiet and you have to listen and then make sure that you execute correctly. And it's it's hard in the restaurant. Yeah. Things happen so fast. But but what they helped you with is establishing that that flow of communication. Sure. So it can be consistent. Right? right. I mean, they put some operational systems in more accurate job descriptions. So people really know exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, quality control line checks, you know, and then the way that we do at, uh, performance reports. Um, we have this company now called iAuditor where we do line checks. It's digitized, then it comes in. And there's certain systems that they gave us that we weren't aware of. You know, one of the things we're working on right now, which is interesting, is reputation management. Mm. Um, because social media drives, they say, between 10 and 15% of your business. A company the size of ours, if you don't acknowledge them quickly, it could spiral out of control. If, if somebody reaches out to you and you... Well, they write a them. review or yeah. somebody writes something or there's something that happened and... Unfortunately, I bring up the pandemic again, but you know, if somebody's not wearing a face mask, yeah. I didn't sign up for that. Yeah. You know, nobody told me that we were going to do this 10 years ago. Right. Um, man, we've covered a lot. I know um, we we have about 15 minutes. Sure. Together. Um, is there anything we haven't discussed up to this point that you want to get out uh, that you think would add more value to the conversation? I just think that, you know, um, people. First, I'm an open book. Like I said, you know, anybody could reach me anytime. Um, you know, as long as I have the time. Time to me is the most valuable asset in the world. And thank you for making. Yeah, that. yeah. No, I'm just saying. And you know, you be you choose it wisely of how you spend your time because we don't know how much time we have left. Yeah. Um, but that's 
and if you want to spend time in a place, whether it's a restaurant or, you know, a park or whatever, you know, how are you going to spend that time and how are you going to do it? Me, I have a little girl, you know, and hopefully one day I'll have more uh, children, but I want to make sure that I leave a legacy for my children like my father has instilled in me. And maybe some of it's good and some of it's bad, and I'm sure she'll feel the same way. And hopefully she doesn't get involved in the restaurant business as I'm smiling. But it's all about time management and how you spend your time from the minute that you come in. How do you set up your station? How do you develop that type of routine when you come in? And I think it's important and it makes your job fun and easier and it's just better. What's one element of time management that if my listeners start doing tomorrow will be a game changer. So tonight, before I go to bed, I make a consequence list, threat, And part of it's from recovery and part of it's from, you know, just management. But I look at my schedule today and I'm honest, right? You and I had a very honest conversation and I told you why I didn't want to go into my restaurant and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I wanted to give you all of my time. Yeah. You know, people, hey, Rocco, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I put together a consequence list. Usually it starts with if I drank today, I'm going to be honest with you. What will my consequences be? I wouldn't be here for my interview. I wouldn't pick my daughter up from school. I'd be hungover, blah, 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 blah. But what I do is I take five things the night before that I know I need to do the next day and that I didn't do the day of. Mm-hmm. And that's how I plan it out. I and, try to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I call it winning tomorrow today. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have an alert that goes off every day at 6 p.m. to remind me of what's the most important thing I do tomorrow. Yep. Um, you you got to prioritize. And there's there's a great book out there called Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. Okay. That, that has incredible tips on list management and how to prioritize your list between urgent, important, and all this different thing. Like, you need a list and you need to prioritize things. You need to win tomorrow today. Or what, what, what's your, how do you say it? What was the term you used for the what you you called it something consequence consequence yeah well yeah. consequences because I mean I'm 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 a real guy that if you don't if you miss appointments you missed appointment yeah period yeah. you know you book too many you just if you need to make time management is so important I did a, another podcast um you know uh, with with a friend of mine and. It was, how do you, what do you do? What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? You know, and what, what do you do after that? And what do you do after that? And what do you do after that? And, you know, you have routine. to get, you get, you have to get into a routine yeah. and it makes for a much better life. You know, if, if you're, if you're all over the place, it usually doesn't work, you yeah. know, and uh, it's hard because in a restaurant, oh, it's you know, hard. It, it takes a good solid three months to six months of consistently getting into or being consistent with your routine to create habit. Yeah. Um, for sure. But once you get there, it's a game changer. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, so one other question I had, because I think it's important and you, and you pointed it out early and I want to come back to it. Uh, you said that you, you, you learned a lot from, of what not to do from watching your dad. And one of those things was cash management. Uh, you get into money, you have some money and you don't spend it well. Um, what advice do you have for somebody who's having success in the industry? They're getting a fat, you know, wad of cash every night. Uh, what's give us some good profit management cash? So management. if I think it's with anything, um, and I, I I put these instill these values in my daughter, and I'm that I'm comparing the listeners to to an eight year old girl, but you have to look at a dollar. Okay, so you know I've got a two dollar bill right here, right? So. Um, how much of this am I going to be able to afford to put away? How much? It, it could be five cents. Uh, it could be 10 cents, seven cents, eight cents, whatever it is. 
So in 2007, I ended up befriending a restaurant accountant who happens to be another really genuinely good friend of mine now. And he said, as long as I am your accountant, you're going to put away X, Y, Z on every dollar you make as long, no matter what. He said, this is what we're going to figure out a formula for you. And I've put that away and it's there and it's there for, this is where we go back to my father. I have a retirement. I have an IRA. I have a 401k and I have all of these things that most people would be like, what do I need that for? Because I started when I was 35. I have life insurance when I got 36. I mean, who gets life insurance when they're, and, and good for me because I'm uninsurable now because of the MS, you know, mm-hmm. like it's hard for me to get insurance. I still could get it, but that's cash management. Whatever you do, you got to put something away, even if it's yeah. a penny. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you can do or whatever you can afford. A lot of people come to me to borrow money. Um, I don't lend money to anybody. If you ask me, usually I'm just going to say, I'm going to give it to you. You're going to take it. You're never going to give it back to me. And please don't call me for money. I'm just saying that nine times out of 10, I'll tell people here, I'm giving the, I don't want it back. I can't carry that on my shoulder that you owe me money. Yeah. But I ask them first thing, what do you do with your money? And they get very defensive. Well, you don't know how I live and I don't live like you. And I don't, well, it's not, I just asked you a simple question. You know, what, what, what do you do with your cash every night? I see you made $400 last night. What did you do with that money? You gamble. Do you, you know, tell me what you do. Do you drink? Do you eat drugs? Or do you have a kid that you would support? That's important to know. But you have, I think you just have to save. Yeah. So what you're describing, there's a, I don't know, this, there's a rendition called of what you're describing called the profit first money management system. And you take 10%, you got to pay yourself first. 10%, you have an income account, every money, every cent that hits that income account, you get 10% of it. And it, it goes to a, a, a separate checking account, you wire it, you never see it, unless you're investing in something else that's going to make you more money. Right, that's, that's, like a yeah. house or something like right. that. Um, and we teach that over at Restaurant Unstoppable Network. So if you are not doing this, and you want a, a, a money management system to help you start developing wealth for yourself, and here's the thing, as you start making more money, that percentage stays the same. You start putting more and more and more away. It's it's exponential and it's very powerful. Um, so yeah, thank you for getting into that. Um, and we have to still bust out a speed round, but I want to ask you one more question uh, before we get to the speed round. And then the mission statement of Restaurant Stoppable is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And I truly believe that if we transform the restaurant industry, we'll transform the world because we just have so much influence. We touch so many lives. So how have you transformed? Who are you today? Who's who's Rocco today versus who Rocco was in 2007? How have you transformed? Um, how have I transformed? I think that I'm a better father, friend, uh, companion, coworker. I'm 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 so I'm very intense, and I'm much more calm. If you walked around this office, which people I've worked with here for the last 13 years, they'll tell you that he's not even the same person that I knew. 13 years ago I take my time Mm -hmm. and I think that the my lessons in life through what I've been through not just the last 13 years but you know I'm 47 years old be 48 have transformed me into that type of person and now each day taking the time with you today I've learned and I'll become a better man by doing that for tomorrow Awesome. Uh, I've loved this conversation. Uh, One more quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. 
I started this podcast because I have a passion for serving people in the restaurant industry because they have a passion for bringing people together with the ultimate love language, their cooking. But with all that cooking comes great, giant, greasy piles of pots and pans, and we can't waste our valuable time with endless sink changeovers, so we must upgrade to Don Professional Pot and Pan. Don Professional Pot and Pan cleans 58% more pots and pans than the leading competitor, less dish soap, fewer changeovers, and more time doing what we love, bringing people together with the ultimate love language, food. Not to mention, Procter & Gamble Professional also provides a wide range of disinfectants for your business needs. Get the cleaning disinfecting products you need and the peace of mind you deserve. Dom Professional, it's clean, upgraded. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system system you already use and trust like toast, turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business to get three months absolutely free. Head over to www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S.com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Get on it. We're back, and the first question I have for you is, what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Generosity. What is your biggest weakness? Failure. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're building your team? Honesty. What is your biggest challenge today? Fatigue. How are you overcoming it? Exercise. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your teams. This is a core, a core value, a way to be, a way to act. Mm, core value, way to act. Compassion. Be compassionate. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team at Rocco's Tacos that's common within your businesses but not common throughout the industry? Smoking. Don't do it? Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, smoking is my number one pet peeve. Uh, uh, just the if the standard if I go in and I see that smoking and telephone yeah yep yeah I mean that smoke when you approach a table yeah yeah it's it's a really off putting sure a lot of people. and telephone technology this telephone is the yeah. the is is the uh, distraction what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant operator the subtle art of not giving a fuck yes I love that yes book. Uh, what is the what I mean obviously you got to give a fuck. Yeah, no, but I'm but, just saying, you know, what's the message of that book? I mean, to to me that, you know, there's certain things that you just can't control. Yeah. And it's back to the thing that I just told you about the one guest that's just yeah. never coming back. And you not that you don't give a fuck, but just that one person that you're just like, let it go. Yeah, you you got to choose. the Right. Fuck to give. <laughs> right. You, exactly. You can't. Give fucks right. about everything. You can't. And so be selective. Right. About, you have yeah. to be selective. Yeah. And, you know, people that leave. Um, you know, sometimes my heart's broken yeah. and that that's another one. What is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or good enough or often enough? What restaurateurs do not do well enough or often enough? Give thanks. 
Name one service you've hired or outsourced to. So this is something that you recognize somebody else does better to you than you, so you go to them. To inventory. Inventory. Who do you use? Bevintel. Nice. And similar question. Um, we're getting into kind of a two-for-one here. What, what's one technology you've adopted within your restaurant that has had a huge influence on operations? I mean, Bevintel is definitely that. Yeah, so I ordered her. Wait, is Bevintel a, a group of people that come? Yeah, they come in and they weigh your liquor. Okay, they, that's right. they do it by weight instead of by looking at it. Got it. And then they give you an accurate uh, so, count and they match it up to the cost. Got it. So that is a, a group of people. But what is a technology now that you use? I auditor. What is I auditor? I auditor is the line check system for the restaurants. That it's not a group of people, but it's technology where we can put in uh, like an opening checklist, and that they are held accountable for making sure that checklist is good. You know, we also have cameras, yeah. So like you can look to see if everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing at the same time. Got it. Um, technology too is you know um, the advancements in um, you know touchless right now QR codes. There's so many things that we have that are incorporated in the restaurant. We're now switching all of our operating systems to Aloha and, you know, table safe where we get alerts. If there's uh, this pulse app that I have on my phone is insane. If there's a aggressive um, gratuity or there's an aggressive comp, I get an alert. I could call the store in real time and be like, hey, table 22, why did you? pick up their whole tab. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, like yeah. A, uh, an anomaly. Right. That like might be, there's a reason why. Well, we've caught people stealing. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, unfortunately, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that was pulsed by uh, QSR. Yeah. Yeah. Is it QSR? No, NCR. NCR. Thank you. That's right. Okay, this is the last question. It's a doozy. Get ready for it. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, pretend it's your daughter you're talking to. What are the three pieces of wisdom you're giving her? To love, right? Yep. To share. And to be kind. I love it. Um, and Rocco, you've been incredible today. Thank you so Thank much. You. I'll wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. That's how I found you. Our boy Vaughn Dugan called you out. Who do you respect and admire in the industry and think would make a great guest mentor? Can you do somebody in New York? Yes. My friend Mike Ferrara that yes. I mentioned to you from Wood and Fire, Southern Table, and uh, Off the Rail. So Mike, I'm calling him out. Mike Ferrara, look out. I'm a, I'm a northern boy, so I'll be seeing you real soon. I would love to get you on the show. And how can we connect with you if we maybe want to come join your team or if we, for whatever reason, what, or social media, what's the best way to so, Rocco at Rocco's tacos dot com. That's it. Um, You could reach me and uh, I will get back to you. Um, The only thing is don't ask me for money, but you could ask me for advice and I'll give you the best I can. (laughs) Yes, beautiful. Thank you so much, Rocco. This has been great. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you. We'll cut it there. All right. Awesome. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to Rocco Mangel for joining us. Lots of great advice came from today's chat. I hope you guys found value. Uh, We have a lot of great things happening in Restaurant Unstoppable Network this week. First, we have Leo Holtzman, a guest from a few weeks back, joining us. uh, SoCal Cantina, uh, really sharp when it comes to bar operations. So if you have questions around the bar world, I highly recommend you join us on 
on Tuesday. We're doing coffee with Eric, but I have past guest Scott McGeehee joining us from Yellow Rocket Concepts and Little Rock, uh, who's going to be doing some, again, some peer mentoring. Actually, we're going to be kind of doing a focused conversation around how to keep culture positive and just energy positive in general, uh, especially in front of guests at all times. Uh, there's uh, somebody who was in the Facebook group who was challenged with this, and Scott offered to do some live mentoring for that individual, and I offered to host that in Restaurant Unstoppable. So if you want to be a part of that conversation, uh, again, come hang out in the network. On the f- same day, we have Max Santiago joining us, uh, pastry chef extraordinaire really great conversation we had a couple weeks ago that episode went live so you can join us with max if you want to if you really resonated with that episode and then again the coffee with eric on thursday and then a workshop on friday we're going to be doing uh ramping up for financial sustainability with ken schwartz and uh ken is a smart dude uh he's actually been hanging out a couple times in the network and he's been coaching people and uh, talking them through how to kind of give yourself that runway you need and to make sure you're you're set up for uh, financial stability when you're getting started. So really, it's just about running uh, kind of like a, an expense report of what it's going to take to be successful when opening your restaurant. And we're going to dissect that. He's going to coach you guys through that. So if you want to join us for that workshop, again, come join the network. Uh, we got a lot going on and uh, we're having a lot of fun in this network. So head over to restaurantstoppablenetwork.com and be a part of the conversation or go to the show notes of today's episode. We'll link to the network in there. If you use that link, you can save $30 on your first month. We'll give you the first month free. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for sticking around this long until next time. Peace out.